Welcome to the IDP Show. I'm your host, Evan Ronda, and I'm joined by my best friend, the late round DB, Jake Colhagen. Jake, number one, congrats on the new handle on the the, uh, the Bird app, X, whatever you want to call it now. Uh, big uh, big uh, reference to J.J. Zacharyson there. I feel like uh, it's pretty fair to say you're, you're very much like the J.J. Zacharyson of IDP, just a massive brain, arguably the biggest brain, uh, lots of spreadsheets, lots of information. Man, Jake, we haven't done a pod together in a while. How are you doing, man? I'm I'm doing great, Evan. Uh, even better now. I'm going to attempt to get my inflated ego through the doorway here after this pod is done, but we will see. Uh, I, I love me some JJ. I love to be analytical. Um, I love to try and make some sense of all this. So hopefully we do that here tonight. And uh, yeah, I, I'm excited to spend some time with you. How are you, sir? Man, I'm I'm doing great. The football season came way way too fast. So all of you guys and all your fantasy leagues, I know you are stoked for football season to start. Just just remember us content creators out there like, man, as soon as kickoff happens, we are we are grinding and grinding and grinding to get you guys that content. So we love to do it. It's a good time. And uh on that note, we're going to jump right into today's episode. We are doing the week 1 preview. Now, this will be an episode we do every single freaking week. Last season, we did a couple alternations. This time, you are stuck with me and Jake every single week. So I'm sorry, but I'm not sorry. You're going to love it. Now, I want to make sure that our listeners here understand what the heck we're even doing on this episode. So to give you guys a general idea, I'm not going to tell you to start TJ Watt. You know you should start TJ Watt. I mean, come on, man. What we're going to do is we're going to talk about borderline start-worthy players or borderline bench-worthy players and make sure that you guys have the level of confidence you need to make that tiebreaker decision to set your lineup to get those last couple extra points each week. So we're going to go game by game, introduce the matchup, and pick a couple guys from each team that we have some hot takes on. And honestly, let's be, let's be real. They're not going to be hot takes because it's us. We know what we're talking about. So without any further ado, Jake, let's go ahead and start it off with the Thursday night football game, Detroit Lions at the Kansas City Chiefs. Are they at the Kansas City Chiefs or are they in Detroit? I don't remember. At Kansas City. At Kansas City. Great. Not that that makes any difference, but uh, we're, we're uh, talking about that Thursday night game. It has the highest over-under of the entire week. Keep that in mind, listeners. Games with a higher over-under tend to play more snaps. More snaps equal more points. Shout out, Jake, for... Uh, Cluing me in on that. That's some pretty cool information. So if you guys need a tiebreaker, hey, check the line. Um, whenever we talk about these these matchups, we also want to make a note to talk about the offensive line grade because the better the offensive line, the more challenging it will be for the opposing defensive line to be productive for fantasy that week. So both of these teams have pretty solid offensive lines. Detroit has the fifth best offensive line, according to PFF. And the Chiefs offensive line is the third best, according to PFF. So both teams' defensive linemen might struggle to produce elite numbers this week, but that by no means means that you should not be starting good players. Just keep that in mind if you need a bit of a tiebreaker. But let's go ahead and start off on the Detroit defense and, and talk about some dudes that we are starting this weekend. I will go ahead and start us off with 
possibly the most disgusting name that we can begin with, with uh, Alex Anzalone. I know we were hoping that Jack Campbell would come and usurp him for that starting linebacker job with uh, 100% of snaps in the green dot, but it appears that Anzalone still has his hand on that role for now. We'll see how it looks throughout the course of the season. But as for week none, uh, week one, we should expect him to play the vast majority of snaps, if not every snap, and to be calling the plays on defense. And I also want to say, quick note, um, underdog fantasy has started adding some IDP player props. And so they have a, a, a tackle prop for him, which is, I think, seven solos and assists combined. So uh, yeah, catch me betting the over on that, because I think Alex Anzalone is going to be a full-time player in week one, and you should be putting in your starting lineup if you've got the space for it. What do you think about that, Jake? Yeah, I think, I think that's a great one. I think it's a great call out on both aspects of it. I, the game that I think easily sees, you know, 65 to 70 snaps, and you're talking seven tackles, that's a 10% tackle efficiency. You're, 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 you're below basically league average for, for linebackers at that point. So yeah, I mean, how is that not an over for Anzalone? And, and a great, a great, you know, opportunity here to start him you know week one and you gotta love playing guys in, in the in the island games too so it gives you a greater reason and excitement to watch those games. you know with that said i'm looking at you know the other linebacker there that you did mention jack campbell i think he's still um a viable option here as the lb2 on this defense probably more you know likely a, a fringe lb3 um in your rosters and in lineups um but the biggest thing is you know you just really want to watch his usage this year He's, he's he's a viable player this week, but it's going to come down to watch the watch the snap counts and watch how they shift throughout the year. Um, this is one where I'm you know I'm kind of making that that call or that distinction that by by the bye week for for the Lions, this could be something where these roles are flipping um, between Anzalone and Campbell. So um, he, he's he's viable this week, but let's see where he ends up by years end. I'm I'm so excited to see just what kind of player he develops into. I mean, when you take a first a first round linebacker and unless you're the Cardinals, uh they they you know, they end up being a pretty exciting player a lot of the time as I glance over at my Zayvon Collins jersey. Um anyways, we can go ahead and move on from that conversation. A uh, couple other dudes I guess we could shout out just they have a couple exciting defensive backs. Uh Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, I mean, you're starting him, let's be honest. He was, he was probably taken as a DB1, so He's healthy. He's going to play. Uh, Kirby Joseph and Brian Branch are two other guys that are probably a lot deeper in leagues, but could still be in contention for starting opportunities, depending on how deep your league is. How do you feel about Brian Branch's upside in week one, Jake? Do you think he's going to be a full-time player or where is he going to play? Oh, you know, what kind of vibes are you catching about this? Yeah, I've I've been really big on the belief that he's going to be the starting slot corner or, or that slot defender, I should say. Um, I don't want to. I don't want to peg him as a corner because so many platforms have him all over the place. Um, you know, so that might dictate some of the value and how you're able to play him too in terms of your lineups. But yeah, I, I think that Brian Branch is going to be a full-time starter in that defense right off the bat, um, and it's going to come in that that nickel defender role. Uh, I'm I'm excited for it. That's what he did in Alabama. He was successful with it, um, and I think that the Lions have a plan for him, and, and we're going to see it from week one here. Uh, so. Uh, wheels up for Brian Branch for the season, even as a rookie. Um, you know what that relates to your lineups, and probably maybe something a, a little more fringe worthy in, in that you know, third tier type of of level for now. But I, I'm excited to, to watch Branch on Thursday night here. 
Me too, man. Me too. I, I just have the rookie fever. That's one of the best things about football is it's like opening your Christmas presents, right? Like the draft is, I mean, I guess the draft is Christmas. You get to see what your presents are, but like NFL season is getting to play with your presents. You know what I mean? Like now you actually get to see just how fast your Hot Wheels cars go, just how far your Nerf gun shoots. Um, I'm an adult, I promise. But, <laughs> you know, every now and then you just got to you got to reminisce on the past. Let's go ahead and talk about the Chiefs. Uh, this is a really interesting situation for them. Obviously, the news coming out today about Travis Kelsey's uh, knee hyperextension. And listeners, hey, if you haven't heard about that yet, uh, don't start him week one. Um, but, uh, you know, Chris Jones is holding out. It's It just seems like the Chiefs every single year, they just kind of coast through the first half of the season. And then they're like, okay, I guess we can start trying now. This game is is going to be interesting without Travis Kelsey, most likely without Chris Jones, unless he gets signed to a contract within the next two days. I'm a little concerned about George Karloftis because he's kind of a borderline guy. You may start him, you may not. But if Chris Jones is out, and we already know that Charles Amenehue is being suspended, and it's against a really solid offensive line, like you could take this one of two ways. You could take this as... George Karloftis isn't competing with very many other guys. So the likelihood that he soaks up whatever production is available is very high, which is a valid argument to make. But on the other side, you could also say, but it's also likely that that defensive line is just less productive overall because they're missing that much talent. I'm curious what you think about that before you get to go into a guy that you're a little more high on. What do you think? Yeah, I definitely lean towards the latter there. Um, I think this is something where week one is always the hardest for all fantasy players, um, but especially I, even more on the IDP side of things. Um, it's so hard for us to find the information. We have to do a lot of projecting, you know, and try to really figure things out. So to go in there and say, all right, someone's working in, in a lesser situation, and now we're going to project, you know, a, an unproven asset to be more successful all of a sudden, just purely based on volume. It, it, it's harder to get behind that, especially in the defensive line space where, where talent is one of the bigger success indicators for IDP than it is any other spot on the field. So, so for me, I would lean away from Karloftis at this point. This is not to to fade him, uh, you know. Overall, this is just a tough matchup to start. Um, you know, it's a it's a tough situation to be in. And so for me, you know, I I would be fading him. But you know, again, if you gotta you gotta put him into your roster due to whatever makeup of your team, uh, you can at least you know again hope for the volume sake of it, right? He can maybe. Uh, pile up three, four tackles, um, and maybe work his way into a big play at some point. But I, I wouldn't feel good or safe about it. I will say uh, we are going to get to see a lot of Felix and Yudike Uzoma right out the gate this season. So it's we're going to just get to evaluate his talent pretty quickly here. A guy I do like a lot is Willie Gay. Um, he was pretty impressive down the stretch last season. And I believe managers might be a little bit low on him simply because it appears to be a crowded room, but make no mistake, he is the number two there and he will be playing number two snaps. And it's going to be a matchup that likely will play a lot of snaps. So even if he's not playing a full-time role, he could still be playing a lot of snaps. So, you know, is he a linebacker two? Is he a linebacker three? Maybe not. But if you're in a league where you start you know, four or five linebackers potentially, or you just need a guy with a lot of upside, Willie Gay could definitely be a reasonable option in the, uh, in this matchup. I like that. Totally agree with you. Um, you know, availability is key for him. And when he's had it, he's, he's shown a reason why that, you know, 
they spent decent draft capital on him a few years back and I'm, I'm totally with you uh i'm excited for willie gay this season it'll be it'll be interesting to see and exciting to see um a spagnolo defense potentially you know run out two primary linebackers for the bulk of the season too assuming health with bolton and gay so um but someone else from that defense that i'm also very excited about this year um and especially in this matchup justin reed uh someone who had just really good strong box usage last year for us which you know we love the sweet spot but the the box is definitely one of those spots where um, that adds even greater value for us overall, especially from those safeties and, the, and those defensive backs. Um, and I just think this projects to be a strong matchup um, in a team that uh, the Lions likely aren't going to be attacking as much downfield just with the limited weapons that they have. Um, and you know, using the assets they do have on offense, they're more likely to attack the middle of the field or the, the short area of the field where someone coming up to play in that box with good range like Justin Reed um, you know, would find find the way to be successful in there. So. So I like I like his alignment and usage there, and I think the mass matchup just plays into his favor a little bit more as well. Um, so I think he is a he's a great play for us here in Week One. I will also say a storyline that will be good to watch is the usage for Trent McDuffie versus Legarius Sneed. You have written here he's he's dealing with an injury, so we might not see him at his best, but where he lines up should still be something that is predictable throughout the rest of the season. And I know how much you love Trent McDuffie. You've infected me and I now love him as well. So I've been taking him in a lot of these drafts. So I'm excited to see if he continues to have that great usage that he had last year where he was playing in the slot. So we'll, you know, take a gander at that game log after week one and and see what happens. Uh, You ready to move into the next game? Absolutely. Let's keep it rolling. Awesome. So now we have Sunday morning. Some of the best football, man. Some of the best football memories. Week one, Sunday morning, just mm, nothing like it. Popping on Red Zone, which, by the way, Red Zone is now on NFL Plus. So I will now have watching. Uh, I'll now have Red Zone. Uh, nobody will talk to me the entirety of Sunday. I apologize. Um, but the Carolina Panthers at the Atlanta Falcons is the first game we're talking about for Sunday morning. The over-under is only 39.5, which is a pretty low over-under for week one. That's not going to have a lot of upside, assuming that the Lions know what they're talking about, which isn't always the case, but just keep that in mind. There is a chance that there are uh, just fewer snaps played in general for this game. Also worth noting, the Carolina Panthers' offensive line is ranked 16th, according to PFF, very middle of the pack, not really a deal-breaker here, but the Atlanta offensive line is ranked 7th. So perhaps a slight negative matchup for the Carolina defensive line. Uh, But let's start off with the Panthers, man. Um, They have a lot of really interesting players, but somebody that I would like to talk about first is actually Von Bell. And the reason I want to talk about Von Bell is simply because of his incredibly good preseason usage. He was the guy that was playing a lot of really valuable snaps, playing closer to the line of scrimmage. And that makes sense. It's a new coaching staff. They brought him in in free agency. Obviously, they brought him in with a plan, and they are going to execute on that plan. So that's good. However, as I'm sure you'll get into, that means bad things for somebody else in that same room. So what would you like to add here in this situation? I mean, I'll just jump right into it. I mean, it's it's Jeremy Chin, right? I mean, his usage, um, just in terms of alignment, um, you know, and and overall snap numbers are very concerning. we can definitely find, you know, safeties who live more in that slot defender role and, and make, you know, make a name for themselves and be, and be very IDP relevant. But if, if they're not filling that the rest of those snaps in, 
overall. And, you know, there's Von Bell and Xavier Woods out there already uh, gobbling up so many of those other safety snaps that it's it's hard to say that the chin is going to be out there at a rate that's going to make him successful and sustainable overall. Maybe, you know, in those best ball formats, he, he can find a way to do that because he's been a playmaker at times in the past. But, you know, when you got to set your lineup every week, I don't feel comfortable plugging this guy in every week at this point. Again, what we talked about last in the last matchup, week one is it's so hard to, to work with a limited set of information, but what the information we do have is not uh, positive overall for, for Chin for week one, in my opinion. Yeah, I hear you. Obviously, Frankie Louvu, Shaq Thompson, those linebackers, if you got them, you're probably starting them because you paid the price that requires you to do that. Uh, but real quick on the defensive line, you know, we've we've had some recent news with Brian Burns holding out how does that impact some of the rest of the guys on that defensive line? Uh, they don't have a lot of depth there already. I mean, and you can see that in the fact that, you know, they had a second round pick in your tier gross Matos, um, you know, a few years back, get plenty of run last year. And, and they're like, nope, we're going to bring in Justin Houston because that's the better option. Uh, so, someone who's shown uh, to be very effective in limited snaps, um, even as you know much as last year still. I just, I think there's, there's some potential um available or ability there to deliver but i just i don't feel great plugging these guys into my lineup um derek brown's a solid option in dt required leagues he's made the the step year over year that you know he is a viable um idp option as well not just you know a, a valid defensive tackle in the nfl where he's played well um but i i like the i like the tackle floor for derek brown in a matchup where you know the run rate run over pass rate is going to be a better one for the Falcons. They've shown us with an Arthur Smith offense. That's just what they're going to do. So um, I like that. And that's probably about it. I mean, Justin Houston maybe as a very late dart throw Burns is obviously plug and play if he's there, but um, yeah, that, that defensive front's kind of a big mystery and, and potentially could go to pieces quickly without Brian Burns there. Yeah. It's just one of those things. People get so excited bringing in a rookie quarterback. Hey, they're turning around the franchise, but there's a lot more to having a good team than having a good quarterback and a couple exciting offensive fantasy assets. This defense is still going to need some development, especially on that defensive line. Talking about a defense that needed some development, they got it. They added so much this offseason, and that's the Atlanta Falcons. I am really, really excited to see, I mean, obviously Bijan Robinson, I'm not going to lie, but this is an IDP podcast, so I'm excited to see just how much that defense gets bolstered by all of the additions that they made in the draft and in free agency, but there is one player that I, I'm probably more excited about than any of the other ones, and I know you're thinking I'm going to say Troy Anderson, but I'm actually going to say Caden Ellis, the other linebacker, because he is the guy, uh, you planted your flag on him, right? Was that you? Yeah, so I I feel bad. I think I'm sniping him from you, but I mean, <laughs> I'm just agreeing with the smart guy. That's a good, it's a great way to make yourself look smart, right? Troy Anderson is, I mean, sorry, not Troy Anderson. He's good too, but Caden Ellis is the guy that has more experience. He's got a lot of pass rush upside, like you have noted, and, and he's going to be wearing the green dot most likely. And I just wanted to give myself a quick shout out and say I drafted him in the IDP Invitational extremely late. There are very few linebackers that seem to be as obvious league winners just based on their expected production versus where they're going in drafts. And Cade and Ellis is absolutely that guy. So anywhere you have him rostered, you're almost certainly starting him this week unless you're playing in one of those like start two IDP leagues. And if you are, please be better. 
just just fix it. Add like nine more spots, please. Uh, Jake, obviously you love Caden Ellis. I'm not going to lie. Uh, but but who else here in this matchup are you interested in? Or is there somebody you're a little concerned about? You know, from the from the defensive line perspective, you know, Bud Dupree, Lorenzo Carter um, are people who have shown flashes at time for us. I mean, Bud Dupree had a great year for your Steelers even at one point. Um, you know, this is a, a matchup where the Panthers, middle of the pack line, uh, offensive line in terms of PFF rankings, but it's definitely been a talking point um, for for their offseason here too. So um, maybe those are probably more like dart throw type plays when you got a deeper uh, deeper lineup that you're starting, you know, DL4 type of range. Um, but Grady Jarrett's one that I'm actually really excited about because now that they have, you know, even if Bud Dupree and Lorenzo Carter and, and others, Calais Campbell, aren't people we're looking at necessarily starting, they actually bring a level of competency I feel like they did not have last year even. So um, that gives Grady Jarrett, I think, a chance to be the Grady Jarrett who earned the huge contract two, three years ago um, and can bring himself back into IDP relevance, not just in DT required leagues, but also even as a you know a DL2 or DL3 type play. So I, I'm really excited to see what that looks like. And obviously, yes, Ellis and, and others bringing additional pressure off the edge. You know, Ryan Nielsen was a fantastic uh, in what he did in terms of creating sacks and pressures uh, in his six years in New Orleans. So hopefully, hopefully he brings that over here. And that gives, you know, the, the defensive secondary chance to shine even more. So in that backfield, is there anyone you're looking at in particular? Yeah, man. Richie Grant versus Jesse Bates III, the great duel of our time. Um, I remember we were talking about both of these guys when we were talking about our Dynasty Defensive Backs episode. I I believe I was much higher on Jesse Bates. I don't remember which player you liked more. Were you also Team Jesse Bates? I, I'm i Team Atlanta Secondary, I guess. I, I like them both, but if, if, I, if I had to pick, right, I'm, I'm leaning Grant at this point just because I am excited to see that I think he'll get a better box, uh, snap count and our utilization this season um, in Ryan Nielsen's defense. Um, but again, projection at this point, week week zero, right? We're not even in week one yet. So um, that said, I, Bates has done it for so many years so successfully. I, if someone said you're an idiot, it's Jesse Bates. I wouldn't disagree with him. Jake, you talking while holding a pencil. <laughs> just makes me respect what you're saying so much more like i already am totally locked in but just like the pencil in your hand i'm like yes professor continue i'm locked in (laughs) with the glasses uh this is an audio show thank you for listening but you can also watch on youtube you guys so if you would like to see jake and his professor jake form tune in on the YouTube at the IDP show. Um, I personally, I really like Jesse Bates, but I'm totally on board with you. Um, we're just going to have to see how the usage pans out week one, but both guys are great. Let's be honest. You're probably starting them if you drafted them. Let's go ahead and move on to the next game. The Cincinnati Bengals at the Cleveland Browns. That game has an over under of 44 points. Pretty normal. Pretty middle of the pack, maybe a little on the higher side. But what is interesting to note is the disparity in the offensive line ranks. The Cincinnati Bengals have an offensive line ranking of 17th, which is pretty middle of the pack. But the Cleveland Browns have an offensive line rank of number two. So what does that mean for the Bengals defensive line? It might be a tough day for them. We'll find out. It really all hinges on whether or not Deshaun Watson, you know, continues to have turned into a pumpkin or if you know he is that 
I'm not sure that's quite the right way to use that analogy, but I think you get what I mean. I mean, we've all <laughs> seen the movie. Is he a pumpkin? Is he still a chariot? We'll find out. Um, but let's go ahead and talk about the guys on the defensive side of the ball. Um, for starters, let's talk about the Bengals. And uh, I'll make sure I don't snipe your guy, but somebody that I'm really excited about is, I mean, I'd love to say Jordan Battle, but I just don't know if he's going to have a full-time role week one. So I'll have to go ahead and just go with Jermaine Pratt because they re-signed him. They brought him back. I feel like worst case scenario, he has the usage that he had last season, which made him a part-time linebacker. He's playing anywhere between like 65 to 80% of snaps, if my memory serves me right. And I think that's a floor projection. I think that, uh, you know, if they paid him as much money as they did, which like, don't get me wrong, it wasn't like bank breaking, but the fact that they brought him back shows that they want him on that team and they liked him in that role. They definitely would not give him fewer snaps than last year. If anything, they would give him more snaps. So I'm hoping that that he can be a productive, you know, linebacker or four, linebacker five type in your deeper leagues, in our best ball leagues, where I actually don't know if I've drafted him in at all. But either way, Jermaine Pratt, he's he's a guy that I'm a little bit higher on this week just to just to see how his usage looks compared to last season. Uh, I know you have a guy here that if you know, I would love to take him, but I will respect the highlight in the dock and let you talk about this next guy. Sure. I mean, yeah, it's Dax Hill. He's someone I was uh, pretty high on coming into the season, um, you know, making the speculation that they're going to move on from at least Von Bell or Jesse Bates. In this case, it was both. So it was the and clause versus the or there. Um, but I, I, I just like that he has the ability to line up, um, you know, in the slot. I know they got Mike Hilton there, but just having defenders with that level of versatility, I think, add value to them and make them. Um, that much more likely to be on the field 100% of the time or near 100%, as well as get the better, more valuable alignments for IDP um, closer to the line of scrimmage when it comes to defensive back. So um, I think you know this game, it's a little iffy because we don't know which Deshaun Watson we're getting, like you said. Um, he, he looked a little rough at the end of last year, had a couple games where he looked okay. Um, but if, if you get this offense back to competent, um, it's – He's a strong starting option for defensive back for us this week. Um, you know they should be able to move the ball well um, against the defense that you know was a strong, a good defense last year, but it it had its holes. So um, yeah, I'm I'm big on Dax Hill for week one here, and I I would be comfortable playing him in a lot of a lot of situations. And I'm I'm really not concerned about his usage because Nick Scott was a you know a deep safety with the Rams last season. And the only other guy that would potentially be on the field would be Jordan Battle, who was also a deep safety in college. So either way, Dax Hill's running bait is going to be somebody that tends to be somebody that was at least previously used farther away from the line of scrimmage. So that seems to imply Dax Hill is going to be the guy that if they need somebody to play closer to the line of scrimmage more consistently, that's his job. Uh, you know, nothing crazy to mention about Sam Hubbard or Trey Hendrickson. Really what I'm interested in to see is just how many snaps they're losing to Joseph Osai or Miles Murphy, but we'll just see how it goes. I'm not uber excited about either guy, but they're more deeper plays, kind of like DL2s, just kind of like how they've historically been. Anybody else we want to talk about on the Bengals before we move into the Browns? Nope, not at all. I, I, the only thing I'll say is that, you know, from a, a time to throw perspective, Deshaun Watson is one of those quarterbacks who historically tends to hold the ball longer, which even in better offensive line situations, does sometimes lend yourself to, you know, find ways uh, to for the defense to uh, rack up one or two sacks still. So I mean, 
you got big play scoring and you want to shoot for that upside with this defensive front and, and a Hubbard or Hendrickson, I can get it. But yeah, I mean, I, I'm I'm with you that I'm I'm probably fading them a bit for this matchup here in week. Awesome. On to the other half for the battle for Ohio. We have the Cleveland Browns. Um, can I get that branded, please? I feel like I feel like we could get some people hyped about that. Uh, I, all our, I just feel our, really dumb that I did not realize that both <laughs> from Ohio when we were putting I all forget this. that all the time, but uh, I apologize in advance to our listeners from Ohio. Uh, Ohio is the definition of mid, just like as a state. <laughs> so um, as somebody who has been there a couple of times, uh, I love you, Ohio. I'm sorry, but let's go ahead and talk about the defensive players just taking shots out of nowhere. I'm so sorry. Um, I love Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa. This is his season. I'm I'm not planting my flag on him, but if I could like plant like you know one of those little like cocktail umbrellas, if I could plant a cocktail umbrella on Jeremiah Wusukormoa, I would go ahead and do that. So, um <laughs> this is such a good. Oh, I'm sorry. Um yeah, I he's going to get great usage. He's going to get a lot of snaps. Um they lost Jacob Phillips, Sion Takitaki like He's still recovering from injury. I don't know how many snaps he's going to play. It's JOK and it's Anthony Walker. And I, I mean, I'm okay with either guy. I think you might prefer Anthony Walker, but I just believe JOK has a lot of talent, a lot of athleticism. He's going to be playing all over the field. He's going to be making plays, you know, just all the stereotypical jargon, you know, associated with, I don't have a stronger statistically backed argument. So I'm just going to say all these things. He's <laughs> got that dog in him. And I think that's a strong enough case to make so uh jake i'm sure you have some data to share with us <laughs> i i'm just i thought he had the umbrella in him the tiny umbrella but he's got <laughs> the dog and the umbrella now so this is good good visuals for me i appreciate it uh i mean I, i'm with you in terms of owusu Kormo or jok right like I, I i like that but i mean the browns linebacker room is another one where it's it's been so ambiguous and so inconsistent and part of the, and a large part of that's been injury but i mean you've already started rattling them off uh, that they've already experienced i i'd lean walker if i had to at this point i think that's just i think they're going to find a way to keep the linebackers more clean than they have in the previous years um it was a defense predicated on speed um and that's that like that's how they intentionally built it out um but they, did, they didn't do enough to support that um from the fr- the first level right the defensive uh standpoint and this year they they made those investments right dalvin tomlinson um and is it, is it sheldon richardson i'm blanking now i think um on the other d tackle they brought in late but you know that they did these types of things to make sure that they can actually allow the the second level to operate cleanly and i think jok and walker do that and if they're the guys that stay healthy and they're out there definitely better than last year but again i'm i'm probably staying away from them at this point I don't know. I just get 49ers running back room vibes from this. Like can't, can't, you know, stay healthy for more than three weeks at a time. I don't know, but you know, uh, so I, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Man just said gives 49ers running back. (laughs) All right. Uh, um, Zadarius Smith defensive end. He's going to be pretty productive on this defensive line opposite miles Garrett. We would expect assuming he's healthy. Also shout out Grant Delpit. Should continue to be a strong safety with this new defensive scheme. Like you said, linebacker room didn't really get much better. If at all, it maybe just got worse or just kind of returned to last season. But yeah, he's going to continue to be productive. I think we can go ahead and move on to this next game and keep this episode chugging along. 
And now we'll talk about a very, very exciting team. And uh, Josh Raymer, plug your ears, a team that's uh, going to need a little bit more time, but could still have some exciting elements. The Jacksonville Jaguars at the Indianapolis Colts. That has an over-under of 45 and a half points. Now let's talk about their offensive lines. Jacksonville, their offensive line is ranked number 26. That's, eh, what, bottom quartile? Is that how math works? That's <laughs> I think. something like that. That's like, you know, whatever. It's, it's not a great offensive line. And the, uh, the Colts offensive line is ranked number 10. I'm interested to see how that actually pans out. I'm sure PFF knows more than I do, but last season that was iffy. So, uh, yeah, Colts, uh, Colts defensive linemen might have a little bit of a plus matchup. Jags defensive linemen, maybe a little bit of a down matchup, but not really a big deal. Let's go ahead and talk about some guys on the Jags that were a little higher or a little lower on. Um, man, I feel like the Jags defense is one of the most at market defenses in the league. I'll probably think of somebody else later, but like, I like the values of all the guys. I think they're all pretty respectable values. And they usually just have guys on the field that play, and then they have guys that really don't. And so if you drafted a guy, you're probably know more or less what to expect from him. So I'm just going to go ahead and say Devin Lloyd because I really want to see if he actually, you know, has consistent full-time usage. I'm expecting that. I'm hoping that last season was more of an anomaly where he lost a little bit of playing time. I think this year he should be pretty consistently solid, which is why I've been drafting him in a lot of these basketball drafts. Uh, Jake, how do you feel about that? No, I, I like that. And I think, I think that's where he'll slot in. You know, there's been talk of his increased pass rushing upside, which I know, um, the defensive coordinator coming from Tampa Bay last season, um, you know, and what, what they did with Devin White and Levante David there, you, you, you kind of hope for that. Um, I would just a little bit of caution, right? I mean, the PFF grades looked a little rough towards the back half, the lost snaps, you know, he did talk about. Um, hey, I was just worn out, right? I wasn't used to an NFL season, the rigors of it. So um, I, I'm i okay plugging him in there um, at that level, but I would, I would, be, I would be looking down the, the line to make sure I had a backup plan too. Yeah, that's fair. And, and how about a guy that you are really, really interested in in this matchup? Uh, for me, that, that's Trayvon Walker, right? I mean, obviously the big name, the big draft capital, I think that that's something that, you know, when, when I've looked at first-round draft capital defensive linemen over the past few years, um, we have seen historically that they consistently move up uh, year over year. And this is someone who he started off with with respectable numbers, right? He wasn't doing anything elite, but he was hitting all the marks at or above average for the rest of the league in terms of, you know, pass rush, pressure rate, win rates, um, you know, tackle efficiency. And that's just, that means he's on, that means he's on pace, right? And that's exactly what a lot of people talked about. He was a project. Um, a little bit raw they had to develop him so I think they found out what they want to do with him now and how they're going to use him and so I'm, I'm excited to see what that equates to I, I I'm a little iffy on the the number 10 ranking for the Colts offensive line as well like you kind of said before so I think this is a, is a good week for Walker to kind of maybe show out uh, maybe help correct that Indianapolis Colts PFF ranking <laughs> yeah expose him call him out <laughs> I like it uh, let's go ahead and talk about those those very Colts. Um, man, this is this defense, I will say, has a lot of exciting talent on it. And one of the players that I'm most excited for on that defense is Julian Blackman, their supposed 
not really suppose it. I mean, it's been announced and talked about openly. They're they're uh, new strong safety, and and there are very few strong safety roles in all of football that are as nice as this one. I like. I don't really know a better way to phrase that. Strong safeties in this defensive scheme get great usage. Did I plant my flag on Julian Blackman? I might have. I might not have. I I. I gotta. I'm gonna have to check my notes on this because I, it's pretty bad if I don't remember. But if I didn't, I'll plant. I'll go ahead and plant a little cocktail umbrella on him just in case. I think he's gonna be incredibly productive as early as week one, assuming he's healthy, which I'm pretty sure he is. He's gonna have really, really good usage, and he is so freaking cheap. You could probably get him off your waiver wire right now, unless you have me in your league, because I already got him. So just keep that in mind. He's gonna have great usage, and he's gonna be. Very productive. All right, Jake. What's a guy you are really excited about in this matchup? Uh, for me, it's it's Quiddy Pay. Um, I think that's someone who, you know, had again talked about you know high draft capital defensive linemen and what they do. I think this is just something where against a, a Jacksonville team that has some legitimate concerns in, in their defensive or their offensive line at the edges. There, I, I really think this is a, an opportunity for Pay to come out and, and make his stamp on twenty twenty three. How it's going to be a great year for him. Um, DeForest Buckner is obviously someone else who's uh, a pretty much plug and play, and especially in DT required leagues. Uh, but don't be afraid of them um, in in those DL only leagues. You know, on a platform like Sleeper, um, you know, and, and then along with it, they have Grover Stewart too, who's coming off um, kind of a breakout year for himself uh, last year, um, Pro Bowler. And I think this is just one where probably more of a streaming option in this matchup. But because of the matchup, I think you could definitely go ahead and stream someone like Grover Stewart. Absolutely. Grover Stewart, incredibly underrated interior defensive lineman. And yes, Julian Blackman was one of my flag plants this year. But I'm going to go ahead and let him keep the cocktail umbrella because I like him that much. Uh, let's give a quick shout out to Kenny Moore. I think he had a down year last year. I, I don't think he did. He did have a down year last year. He's going to get a lot better this year because simply him being healthy is going to be enough for him to be better this year. And also keep an eye on Shaquille Leonard's concussion recovery status. If he's back, he's back. If he's not, EJ Speed could very well be a linebacker one in week one, and that is not a hot take. So keep an eye on EJ Speed. Maybe just pick him up now just in case, and then if he breaks out week one or you know just, just has one great week, great, trade him. Because if Shaquille Leonard comes back, I don't think EJ Speed's going to score basically any points. Uh, I think we can go ahead and move on to the next game. What say you? I say we shall. Wow, that was that was pretty nice. All right, Tampa Bay Buccaneers at the Minnesota Vikings. That is going to be an over-under of 45.5 points. Both of these teams have pretty much the same offensive line. The Bucs have number 14. The Vikings have number 15. Nothing notable about these offensive lines. We'll see how it looks after week one. Uh, but I do want to call out a couple dudes on the Tampa Bay defense. Obviously, you're starting Devin White. You're starting Levante David. I will say Levante David has had a great value just because his ADP has been a lot lower this year than all the other years. But a guy that I really like in this matchup is Joe Tryon Shoyinka because he's just, he's young, he's developing, and I think that this could be a season that he actually makes a big enough jump that it matters. Um we've seen an upward trajectory from a lot of those guys in that same class. I mean, Quiddy pay was in that class. Um, Jalen Phillips was in that class, right? I mean, that was a really, really strong defensive line class. Uh, Aziz Ojolari was in that class too, right? 
I believe so. I think I think Peyton Turner too, but I don't want to hurt your case, so I won't say that out loud. Justice for Peyton Turner. It's not his fault. <laughs> he just hasn't gotten the snaps. He's been hurt. Okay. I'm sorry, Saints fans. I'm just I'm just defending your boy. Um, but yeah, Joe Tryon, Shoyinka. I mean, I it's not the hottest take. I like him in best ball. I think he's going to continue to get better, and I would like to see what he can do in this matchup. So well, I'll just give him a quick shout out. Awesome. Yeah, I mean, and, and you know, it's going to be something where he's a strong volume play. Uh, I know they drafted Kalaja Kansi. They have Vita Vea um, and Shaq Barrett's coming off of a, a serious Achilles injury. But, you know, beyond that, the depth there isn't isn't fantastic. So I think this is something where those are the guys who you're going to see get a lot of run and they're going to get um, a high volume of snap that snap counts that we love to see that seven, eight hundred plus range. And um, that can make guys very viable in matchups, you know, this is a kind of a middling matchup offensive line wise, but um, just the pass rate of the Vikings overall, I think I, I'm in on both Shaq Barrett and, and Joe Tryon Shanka. Totally understand the wait and see approach with the Achilles injury for Barrett for some, but I'm I'm comfortable plotting him in along with Joe Tryon Shanka this week. Okay, then and how about a guy that you actually are pretty excited about? I, I I'm in agreement with you on this one. By the way, I I love this guy. So let, let's hear about him. I think that's Ryan Neal, right? So, I mean, we, I think we really loved what he showed us um, in Seattle last year coming in um, in relief of Jamal Adams. And he's just such a strong, consistent tackler. Um, he always seems to be in, in the presence of the ball. I know that he is a, you know, kind of more of that prototypical box safety type of player. Um, but I just, the, the guy has a nose for the ball. And I, I've, I picked up in a lot of leagues. And so maybe I have that, you know, a fan bias in that regard but you know he just he was fun to watch last year and, and he was a consistent idp performer for us so uh going into a defense where um there's there's an opportunity that that offense struggles i think you could see a lot of work from this defense and you're going to need players like ryan neal to step up and become a, a significant contributor for them you know i just realized the tampa bay buccaneers replaced keanu neal with ryan neal means absolutely nothing but now you know let's go ahead and talk about the vikings there are quite a few players on this team that i'm really excited about and there are a couple players on this team that i've actually been cooling on really really early on in the offseason i'm talking like february and you know like march ish i was really into brian osamoa because his adp was so low but as we've kind of progressed through the offseason i've kind of cooled on that entire bunch i mean shout out ivan pace for uh, apparently earning the at worst linebacker three job there. But I mean, we've talked about in depth how Brian Flores's defensive scheme tends to lead to a lower tackle efficiency for linebackers. So that's one thing worth noting, but also I still don't really know who's going to be on the field in one linebacker sets. And that is slightly concerning to me. Now I do believe that's baked into their ADP, but even still, there are other guys going around them that I would just prefer. Shout out Caden Ellis or, you know, just other guys going around like uh, Kaiser White, perhaps. All that to say, if you drafted him, I'm, I'm sure you're probably in a situation where you need to start them. I would just, you know, maybe be a little bit hesitant. If you've got somebody else, you know, on a tiebreaker, maybe this is your maybe this is your sign to just let them cook on the back burner for just a little bit week one. Jake, am, am I am I totally off base here? What do you think? No, there's to me there's not a a large amount of IDP value to be recognized here or be realized at this time. Um, 
Harrison Smith is probably the one that stands out the most to me. Just showed, you know, strong play last year still, even even at his age, um, you know, coming into his 30s here. Um, but just the way that, you know, Brian Flores likes to utilize his safety closer to the line of scrimmage, I think that he's someone that will find a way to continually be involved and make plays for us, uh, uh, especially in some of that, that, that big play potential. So he's kind of the big name I'm looking at there. Everyone else kind of becomes more of a fringe play. I think Hicks is, he's probably locked in for now, but again, like you said, there, there's some concerns. So, you know, probably shying away from some of those things, unless you, you've already got them and you need to plug them in. It's an okay week to do it. Um, but yeah, everyone else, Cam Bynum, Byron Murphy, deeper plays. I want to see what happens there first. Same for even Marcus Davenport and Dean Lowry. Like probably Davenport has a little bit better chance um, from the edge position. Um, but I, I'm 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 holding off and, and waiting to see what we get from these guys in terms of production and alignment and usage. I will say I I'm continuing to pay my penance to the Saints fans. Well. I guess not, because I was going to say Marcus Davenport's actually a guy that I really like, but I know for a fact Saints fans do not like Marcus Davenport, so maybe I shouldn't say too many nice things about him. Um, but uh, he's been a guy that I've been drafting quite a bit of. I think he's shown enough talent for me to believe that he is somebody who, you know, he just has staying power in the league. I think one of the the best arguments you can make generally in situations of ambiguity is what kinds of reasonable excuses can you make for players? And I think there are some really bad excuses that you can make, but I also think that there are some really good excuses you can make. And for Marcus Davenport, I think health has been a very reasonable excuse to make for him. He hasn't really been all that healthy, but when he's been on the field, he's been productive. I don't think that that has anything to do with his talent. And so I'm not going to take away from what I believe he can do on the field by saying he can't do it when he's not on the field. You get what I mean, right? Like, I'm not going to downgrade a player's talent simply because they have injury issues. So sure, injury issues are baked into his his ADP, but I I think he's a pretty talented player. So he's going to be a guy I'll be excited to watch this season. But I don't think we need to spend too much more time on this matchup. Let's go ahead and move into the Tennessee Titans. And oh, look at that, the New Orleans Saints. Now, this game is an over-under of 41.5. Understandably so. Neither of these teams are all that exciting, but we'll we'll probably find some good value here and there. Uh, the first guy I want to talk about just out the gate is Aziz Al-Shair. Aziz Al-Shair, the guy that I listed as my IDP MVP two years ago, now he's finally getting a shot as a starter, and he absolutely deserves it. He's been playing as the linebacker three in San Francisco for a very long time, and he has waited his time, and now his time has come. Aziz Alshair is going to be a full-time player. I believe he's going to be very productive. Basically, just see him as David Long from last year, but healthier. That's a great player. I, I Do I need to say more? I mean, that's pretty much it. Nope. You nailed it. You know, And he's got a chance to be um, a, a plug-and-play each week, top 24 type player, locked in at that linebacker spot if, with, with even more ceiling. Um, and you know, I don't want to say he could become elite, but you know, he could really do... Some, some amazing things this year with this opportunity. Um, and he can really make a, a, a name for himself in the IDP space, like his teammate, Kevin Byard, who um, traditionally played more as a deep safety. Um, but, you know, after last year, showed us that he can do a lot too with some amazing box usage. And if that can stick around for this year, he's someone that, you know, has the potential to be elite and, and lock in as well. So, um, you know, the only other person from that defensive backfield that I'm interested in 
and it's uh, more only for cornerback required, but maybe worth you know watching to see for a, a potential DB play is uh, Roger McCreary. So um, could get some really nice slot uh, defensive alignment there, um, and just kind of a name that I think you know overall will get a chance to be on the field and make plenty of oppor- or make plenty of plays and opportunities for his team. So um, keep an eye on Roger McCreary this week, but probably not looking to play him. Um, I know you have one more shout out that you want to make. I want to give a quick shout out to Amani Hooker. Uh, he was pretty injured last year. When he played, he was productive. He should be productive again this year. I have an absurdly high exposure to him in best ball, like top four. So there's a reason I'm calling him out is because I am personally invested in his success. That's it. Give your quick shout out and then we'll move on to New Orleans. I love it. I mean, Jeffrey Simmons is elite. You, you got to be playing them. I don't care. DT required DL, whatever, get them in there. So, um, and it's a great matchup against the uh, new Orleans offensive line where the interior is probably the weaker part of it. And it's already a weaker unit overall. So yeah. Speaking of which I forgot to give the, the matchup grades. New Orleans has an offensive line that is rated number 24, which isn't great, but it's decent compared to the Titans offensive line, which is ranked dead last. So pray for Ryan Tannehill, you guys. Um, let's go ahead and talk about the New Orleans Saints. They have a couple pretty exciting players all across the board. Some dudes that have been in the league for a very, very long time and are still chugging around. Uh, but a guy that I really like, actually. Hmm. This is actually really interesting. I I want to see what Marcus May does. He's been injured a ton last year, and I'm just gonna I'm just gonna go digging, 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 digging for gold because I again I. I've drafted him a ton in these best ball drafts. So yes, I'm personally invested in his success. I'll admit it, you guys. I'm exposing myself. But but he was good last year when he played, when he was healthy. So the same argument that I made for Marcus Davenport, I'm making for this Marcus too. He might be injured, but I'm not taking that away from his talent. And I believe that when he's on the field, he's a productive safety. So just quick shout out to Marcus May. You may not be starting him because he went really, really late in drafts, but at least, you know, keep an eye on how he does week one, just in case you need an injury fill in week two or something. I, I love the call out. I, I personally would stay away. I, I get where you're coming from again. I'm just still stuck on the fact that you said you're exposing yourself. So um, I just hope that there's no children listening and hearing about you exposing yourself here on this audio podcast. But check us out on YouTube if you want as well for Evan exposing himself. With that said, what I'd like to expose is that the Tennessee defensive or offensive line, um, Cam Jordan and Carl Granderson. Um, I think they're, they're names that I might not necessarily um, uh, go after normally, but in this matchup, I, I don't know how you can. <laughs> Tennessee is probably likely to get slaughtered up front, um, even with an aging Cam Jordan and Carl Granderson. So, um, and throw in a little bit of, you know, pass rush upside from Demario Davis. Um, probably like him more for that big play side of it less less in terms of that tackle floor um if you're looking for that who might you want to check out though from the new orleans side i haven't listened to a word you said for the last two minutes <laughs> who did you not talk about did you did have you talked about pete werner yet have you talked Whoa, about pete Davis werner. Let's, let's talk about pete werner all right let's go yeah pete werner he has a very high tackle efficiency uh, last season, he did not play 100% of snaps consistently, but it didn't matter. He still crushed it. So if that's his floor, I'm happy with it. I think his ADP was too high for best ball, but 
That's just my opinion. If you have him, you're starting him. He's a great player. The end. Can we move on, please? Let's move on. <laughs> Let's move on to the next matchup. All right. San Francisco 49ers at the Pittsburgh Steelers. Oh, baby. That's going to be an exciting one. I always say I'm not like a real Yinzer. I'm not like a full on Steelers fan, but man, watching their preseason games has me at an unhealthy level of hype. Nothing like watching your starters play against third strings from three different teams three weeks in a row and absolutely dice them up because, you know, surely that's what the regular season is going to be like, right? Um, anyways, this is an IDP podcast. The San Francisco <laughs> offensive line is ranked 18th. What the heck? The, the 49ers offensive line is ranked 18th and the Steelers is ranked 12th. PFF's actually giving Pittsburgh some love. <laughs> all right all right um i i don't believe it i think i'm in an alternate universe right now but uh i talked about the over under right 40.5 it's a little Good low now. let's go ahead and talk about some 49ers um drake jackson that's a guy i'm gonna call out nick bosa is threatening holding out i have no idea if he's playing week one or not mike tomlin said he's preparing for nick bosa but that means Absolutely nothing. Diddly squat, because of course he is. He's the Steelers head coach. Why would he not be preparing for Nick Bosa? Uh, but Drake Jackson is not holding out. He's going to play the game. So either he's playing opposite Nick Bosa, which is great, or Nick Bosa's not in, and Drake Jackson's just getting a lot of snaps. But either way, we're going to get to see what the sophomore has to offer for this defensive line. And I personally am really excited about it. How do you feel? I, I like Drake Jackson. I, I was excited about him a lot last year. Um, in, in the limited opportunities he got. Uh, the one name that kind of stands out to me or that I guess maybe caught my eye, right, is, you know, Clellan Farrell, someone who was very likely overdrafted by the Raiders um, at that time, but was still drafted in the first round very highly. Um, and, you know, coming to San Francisco, maybe he can you know, resurrect that career there. So more of a, a watch, you know, name to see what happens, especially with the Bosa holdout. But um, really, really interested to see how that rotation pans out. Um, but an, uh, another name there in the front uh, in terms of Javon Hargrave, I mean, that defensive required, he's a smash play, but even, again, outside of that, you know, sleeper playing him as a DL, he's, this is a very strong opportunity. I, I think Pittsburgh did get better up front, but um, I, don't, I don't know that the interior of it's that improved that Hargrave can't find a way to disrupt this gameplay very quickly. Yeah, unless Marquise Pouncey came out of retirement and, like, de-aged himself 20 years that offensive line didn't get that much better. I mean, let's be honest. Uh, let's talk about the Steelers, though. Um, like we said, their offensive line is ranked 12th. We'll see how that goes. Um, but somebody that I really, really like is is Cameron Hayward, because obviously it's Cameron freaking Hayward. That dude is going to be an absolute baller this season. I just pray that he just plays one more season and one more season and stays healthy and has fun because he's a great team leader and he's so freaking good. Like, one of the most underrated interior defensive linemen in football, which feels weird to say, considering that he's like still really, really productive and like gets a lot of accolades and respect, but like he's so good. So yeah, I'm a Steelers fan. Get over it. Cameron Hayward. He's great. He's great in DT leagues and he's great in normal leagues. So you should be starting him if you have him, if your league is deep enough. Shout out Keanu Benton. Like I think you have Cam Hayward 2.0 right behind him. So just... I love that guy. I wanted to call that out. Um, you know, linebacker-wise, Cole Holcomb, competent linebacker play for the Steelers. Haven't seen that in a few years, so sign me up. Um, I think I think he's someone who's a smash play there. Um, but the the name behind that in the Landon Roberts is kind of the sneaky one. I think that's gone under the radar for a lot uh, a lot of people. And 
if you really need to be able to plug him in as, a, as an LB3-4 kind of range, probably closer to the 4 for me personally. Um, but I think you can get away with it, especially in this matchup um, where San Francisco likes to um, do a lot of those timing plays and attack the middle of the field where, yeah, they'll probably be successful plays to an extent, but there's still things where you know we can pile up some stats for for those uh, defenders in the middle and Cole Hole coming to Landon Roberts. Um, my big question is, is on the back end of that secondary, we know Minka Fitzpatrick's elite, but who's the other guy back there with him? Do we know for sure? Is it is it Keanu Neal who we talked about before? Is it Demonte Kazi? Is it something else I'm not even aware of? No idea, man. Let's see how week <laughs> one looks. I'm a Steelers fan. I don't even know. I, I will say, if we're calling Keanu Benton the next Cam Hayward, can I call Nick Herbert the next TJ Watt too? Because that would be nice. That'd be so nice. Uh, also, quick shout out to Desmond Kane joining the Steelers. W. Omar Khan adding to the secondary. Let's go. Okay, let's move on to the next game. Arizona Cardinals at the Washington Commanders. Over under of 38.5. That is not very exciting. Uh, um, the Cardinals are well on their way to nowhere. And the Washington Commanders are well on their way from anywhere other than Dan Snyder, which is a great place to be. So let's go ahead and talk about the defensive side of the ball. But first, Arizona's offensive line is ranked 31st in the league, which is pretty bad, pretty, pretty bad. The Washington Commanders ranked 27th, also pretty bad. So if you got a defensive lineman on either side of the ball, maybe start them this week because that's going to be a great matchup. As for the Cardinals, I freaking love because you're white. I'm, I'm, he's great. This is, this is the kind of player that you want as a very, very late pickup that you are going to start every single week and not lose an ounce of sleep because of it, because he's got the green dot. He's going to play hundred percent of snaps. There is literally nobody else around him competing for playing time. So he's going to get to the ball. He's got familiarity with the defensive scheme. Need I say more? No, I don't. So I won't Jake, who do you like on this defense? Nailed it. I'm a huge David Collins fan, so I'm excited to see um, how how he gets utilized here. Is it is it the true full edge, right? Is it this half you know hybrid experiment like they did with Parsons? Um, it, we'll we'll see. And so for that you know matter, if you got to if you got to plug him in, you know he's got the DL or DE designation. Um, I think it's worth you can take a shot as as a DL three here. Um, but I, I really want to see how they how they break down this. Uh, this alignment for him, you know, and, and I'd, honestly, at this point, I'd just like to see them commit him one way or the other, move him to edge, leave him as off ball, but it seems like off ball is kind of out of the picture. So just commit him to edge and see what we got there and go from there. Um, you know, in, in terms of off ball, besides Kaiser White, um, Chris Barnes is kind of the other name at this point you might want to pay attention to, possibly Josh Woods. Um, whoever gets that role has a potential of, of you know, that 70 to 80% snap range. Um, Definitely worth noting and picking up and stashing. Not something with, with that uncertainty that I'd be looking here for in week one. I want to take an, another moment to re-emphasize what you just said for the listeners that might be like driving and kind of zoned out there for a sec. The linebacker two in Arizona will likely be either Chris Barnes or Josh Woods. Whoever it is, is going to be a massive value for fantasy this season, especially in deeper leagues. They are not exciting but they will score points. So just keep that in mind. Um, also, quick note, because they traded away Isaiah Simmons, <sighs> um, somebody is going to replace him for snaps. 
So obviously Jalen Thompson and Buda Baker are on the field, but keep an eye out for Antonio Hamilton. He could be uh he could be an interesting guy. We'll have to just see how the usage looks, who's playing in the slot, et cetera, et cetera. There's going to be a lot to figure out with this defense. They're going to figure out who's got that dog in him and who doesn't. What was that? What was that? Uh, Rich Gannon quote. Um, that's his name, right? Rich Gannon. Jonathan head Gannon, coach? the coach. Yeah, who's Rich Gannon? That's a former quarterback. Uh, I believe he played for the Raiders. Huh. I don't know why I'm thinking of his name, but anyways, Jonathan Gannon. There was a video about him earlier this week, circling the socials about him saying something kind of cringe once again, which I know doesn't surprise anybody, but he was like given some sort of hype up speech and everybody was like, this would put me to sleep. So all oh, the fire in your belly. Who yeah. Us, blah, blah, blah. Pew, 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 <laughs> pew, pew, pew. <laughs> the Washington commanders. <laughs> um, Jamin Davis, quick update. His court hearing was scheduled for 2024. So do not anticipate any kind of suspension for him this season. He will play every single game. Just worth noting because I was out here thinking he might legit be going to jail and Cody Barton could be playing a full-time role. That doesn't look like that's going to be happening, but Cody Barton should still be a pretty decent play this season. But the guy that I'm going to talk about is Jartavius Martin. Why? You know, because I have a lot of him in best ball, but also because I believe that the nickel cornerback role in this defense is going to be pretty productive. Now, he's more of a guy that I like for cornerback required leagues unless you play on my fantasy league which for some reason they have him listed as a safety which is stupid because he's a cornerback but anyways i just i wanted to draft him in the idp invitational and he was not a corner so i didn't do it but in leagues where he is a cornerback such as reality sports online shout out because they are awesome he's going to be a pretty good option who do you like out of these guys Let's be honest. I know who it is. Yeah. 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 Heart emoji. Cam curl. So, I mean, great guy. Great player. Love it. Um, but really, I, I'm his running mate in Derek Forrest, too, though. I'm very excited about him. I think he's someone who um, showed uh, the ability to play kind of different spots on the field. Not not to the, you know, alignment usage that we really love to see in that 50 percentage above uh, type range. But just just the fact that he can move all over the field. I, I like that, and I think gives him viability as as a DB two type three option as well. Um, and the defense as a whole is just a very strong unit. So um, you know we've talked about it before, but right, the rising tide raises all ships. Um, when you got a strong defensive line, you got competent second second level play, maybe you know plus Cody Barton, and then you know <laughs> they revamp their secondary as well. So um, I, I think it's just overall um, we'll see plenty of production from these guys throughout the. Uh, all four starters on the defensive line are start worthy. And I think there is no better place to use that excuses argument for than with Chase Young. I might be one of the more high on Chase Young people in the industry. And I don't really have the strongest case for it other than just he's been hurt. I've people get punished for being hurt so often and I just think that like we as a community are so fickle when it comes to that kind of stuff. And we're just like really petty. And we're just like, screw it. Yeah, I'm angry at you. I think you're bad because you got hurt a lot. It's like, that's not how football works. Chase Young was a second overall pick for a reason. No, he's not a bust just because he hasn't played much football. He's a good player. And I think this is going to be the season where we see that. And I'm willing to put myself out on the island and say that. So 
if Chase Young actually ends up just being bad at football, fine. I'll admit I was wrong. But I don't think that being injured is equivalent to being a bad football player. And I don't think that's a hot take either. So let's go ahead and move on to the next matchup. The Houston Texans at the Baltimore Ravens. That game has an over-under of 43.5 points. And wow, this might be the biggest disparity we've seen when it comes to offensive line rankings. The Houston Texans, 25. Baltimore Ravens, 4. Um, Shoot, do you remember they, they just traded for the Steelers' center because their own center got hurt, and they have, like, the same name. It was, like, Kenyon Green got hurt, and so they added Kendrick Green. Oh. No, I did, I did not see that. I saw they traded for Josh Jones um, from the Cardinals, but I did not see the the Kenyon. I, I saw Kenyon get hurt, but I did not see the other trade, so no. Hmm. Yeah, trading for that guy from the Steelers probably bumped their defensive or their offensive line ranking <laughs> down, like, five spots, so that's probably why it's down at 25. Um, hey, ah, man, all right, fine. I'll let you have him. I'll let you have him. I'll go ahead and talk about Jonathan Grenard then. Uh, for the Texans' defensive line, obviously, Will Anderson, great. I would love to see just how much usage Jonathan Grenard gets because, again, I've been taking him a lot in best ball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think he's a pretty talented player, and this, again, is one of those good when healthy but injured oft. And I think that he, you know, I, I just don't believe in injury prone as a label unless it's a statistically verified high re-injury rate injury or if your name is Michael Thomas. But Jonathan Grenard is a talented player. I think he's playing opposite Will Anderson, and I think that that's going to lead to him being pretty productive. So that's my take. It's not super hot. I just want to see how how many snaps he gets, right? Is he going to be like a 50% snap guy, or is he going to be up there on like the 60 70%? We will find out after week one. But the guy that you are talking about is, is the guy. Like, come on, everybody. I want to talk about him. I know you want to talk about him. Let's go ahead and sing his praises. Can you give him, can you give him a little umbrella too, please? <laughs> I, I think he's got like seven or eight flags sticking out of him already. So uh, this is Denzel Perryman, um, linebacker for the Texans. I think he's just hyper-efficient tackler. He's shown it. You know, he did it last year in limited snaps. Um, you know, he got the green dot late in preseason. But this is something where I think we'll see him and Christian Harris both be 90 plus percent uh snap count guys so this is just the fact of perryman's proven he can do it in the nfl harris has proven he can score under a 30 in his pff grade um so between those two things i think people should know which way to lean uh to start the season um i i i've been in on harris this off season um grabbing up you know value where i can on him but i mean if, if you got to make a bet, Perriman's the bet. And it should be pretty obvious and pretty plain to most people paying attention at this point. So, Hey, Christian Harris out here catching strays. <laughs> All right. I will say noted putting green Denzel Perryman with multiple flags sticking out of him. Let's uh let's go ahead and, and speed on through this episode. Man, we, oh, there are so many games in week one. No bye weeks is killer for these <laughs> weekly preview episodes. So I'm going to have to like put myself on 1.25 speed just automatically before the listeners even press the button. The Baltimore Ravens. Uh, this is another one of those teams that's a lot like the Jags where it's like their market value is pretty accurate. I don't really like their defensive linemen. You might feel differently, but uh, Kyle Hamilton. I'm just going to say Kyle Hamilton smash. I know what you meant, but it's not what I thought. He's a great football player. Let's move on. Yep. I, I mean, I'm with you. I'm there. Uh, you know, 
Oway is probably the one. I'll take a shot at on the defensive line, but it's not looking to plug guys in here week one with that level of uncertainty. So, yeah, I, I honestly, Marcus Williams on the back half of that defense, I'm just not confident in that matchup against Houston and, and CJ Stroud either. That Williams is going to have enough volume to to validate or to yeah to validate putting him in in your starting lineup in week one. Uh, could get him in there in the back, you know, end of a DB three type of situation. I'm I'm not looking at too many options there besides the, you know the studs right so awesome great next game Green Bay <laughs> Packers at the Chicago Bears um I wonder how the Chicago Bears are going to feel playing against the Packers without their owner in the building we'll find out the over under is forty three and a half points the Green Bay offensive line is ranked number eight and the Chicago offensive line is ranked twentieth. That's a pretty decent disparity as well. So look out for the Green Bay defensive linemen. Will it be Rashawn Gary? Will it be Preston Smith? Will it be Lucas Van Ness? We'll find out. I mean, in in reality, it's it's Rashawn Gary and everyone else if Rashawn Gary is healthy. Now, I think this is a little bit different because he's actually coming back from injury and actively recovering as opposed to just a dude that's healthy that just has a history of injury. So he's a guy that I may be a little more skeptical on and I'd be okay waiting for him, you know, a week or two, just letting him kind of cook on the bench. Uh, but a guy that I really, really, really like, I can't take him. I've basically talked about most of the relevant guys. So I'll, I'll let you talk about him. Go for it. No, keep going, man. I, I like this. I like Evan on a roll. Keep it going. Uh, I'm on a roll. Devondre Campbell. Um, he's coming back from injury. So I, I don't know if he's playing. I'm pretty sure he's going to play. And yes, smash, smash, because he is, he's, he's him. Quick note on the safeties, Rudy Ford, Darnell Savage. That might be the the least exciting safety room in the entirety of the NFL. I can't think of a group of safeties that are less interesting. But unfortunately, or maybe fortunately, being uninteresting does not prevent you from scoring fantasy points. So keep an eye on Rudy Ford. He should be the guy that gets better usage. But we'll find out after week one and uh, and talk about it on next week's show. All right. The only one I'll, I'll shout out is Lucas Van Ness, someone I like to draft uh, capital-wise as a rookie. Not looking to plug him in, but I, I'd love to see how they utilize him edge versus interior. So just another thing to keep a matchup, keep an eye on in that matchup. Um, when we flip to the script, though, and we head over to the Chicago side, um, you know, TJ Edwards, Jermaine Edmonds, big money. They're in your lineups. Um, Edwards over Edmonds, I think, seems to be the kind of consensus uh, um, at least on our side here when, when we've been talking about him as a group. So um, I'm, I'm in line with that. Uh, as, far, as far as the defensive line goes, you know, Demarcus Walker, y- Yannick Ngakwe, kind of the bigger names. Um, I'm passing on Walker in this matchup. Um, Ngakwe is someone maybe I'd consider as, as a dart throw. Um, Rodgers is another one of those quarterbacks who historically held on to the ball um, longer than most others. I don't know what Jordan Love's going to do. I'm predicting or I'm believing that he is going to be looking to get rid of that ball quicker. They're going to be looking for more timing-type throws and plays, which is going to only devalue what pass rush can uh, you know, obtain here against this Packers team. So I'm, I'm really out, basically, on this Bears defensive front at this point. Um, and then on the back end of it, Eddie Jackson showed huge upside before his injury last year. Um, and it told us exactly why we can draft uh, defensive backs late because you can find guys like that 
at the end of your drafts or on waiver wires pretty easily. And I'm I'm ready to get back in on that ride with Eddie Jackson again this year. So you can you can be plugging him into your starting lineups. Yeah, man. I'm in big agreement with you as well. As far as Smash, like Lucas Van Ness. If you know, you know. Let's go ahead and move on to the next one. The Las Vegas Raiders at Denver Broncos over under 44 points. Uh, the Vegas offensive line is ranked 19th. Broncos offensive line ranked 11th, both yeah, more or less middle of the pack. Um, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and do a little bit of a contrarian take, not a contrarian take, just like not consensus and talk about Marcus Epps because I think that they brought him in to use his particular skill set to be more of a box safety. He's super, super inexpensive. He could be on your waiver wire. You probably have too many safeties as it is. But if you happen to, you know, have built your team properly and not have too many safeties, great. Marcus Epps could be a guy that you would consider streaming or adding at some point this season if he has great usage. Let's see how he looks after week one. I like I like that. I'm I would not be in on it, but this is exactly what we need. You need to be able to like I said, go go opposite ways at sometimes and find those values against the against the grain. So um also, but, sorry, know, sorry to cut you off. When I oh, said no. you, I was referring to the listener ambiguously. I wasn't calling you out, Jake. Obviously, you built your roster perfectly. We we know this. I'm just <sighs> clarifying a few things. Uh, all right, sorry. Go for your next guy. I mean, you're not wrong. Um, no, but uh, you know, but speaking of you know building things right or even getting into a building, Chandler Jones uh, apparently today was not able to access the team facility. Um, but I still think he's someone that you can put into your lineup, even if he can't get into the weight room there, um, in Las Vegas. So. Uh, it's probably more um, of a DL, you know, two to three range type of play for me. Um, but you, I think you can definitely do it with some level of confidence uh, against this Denver team. I, I, I'm not as sold on them um, really having this offense put together in a good way just yet. And I think that this defense between Max Crosby and, uh, and Chandler Jones and, and you know, um, some of the others in the middle of that defense we'll get to, I think I think they can really do a number here and put together some good numbers for us in week one. So I'm 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 in on them. And now we get to find out if Tyree Wilson is legit or if he's gonna be a guy that's takes some time to cook. Also, quick shout out to Divine Diablo, greatest name in football, and Robert Spillane, Steelers legend. They will be the starting two linebackers in Las Vegas and are pretty good values as far as price versus production. Let's go ahead and talk about the Broncos real quick. Obviously, Josie Jewell is the starter, but he's very valued. So that's not really much of a start call, but Alex Singleton, he's also been a guy that has varied, but at times high average draft positions, tackle efficiency, God, Alex Kingleton. So quick note to him. He is, he's absolutely a starter worthy player. Uh, who else do you like in this matchup? I really like uh, Randy Gregory and Zach Allen as kind of like those, some of those deeper plays and probably value pickups that, I mean, heck, you might even have those guys available um, on some waiver wires, depending on your league setup. So uh, I think those are guys in this matchup you can you can go ahead and put in as DL3s really comfortably. Um, Jimmy Garoppolo is not someone who historically holds on to the ball very long, but he's not someone who historically moves well in the pocket either. So um, I think that you can definitely find some pass rush upside between those two. Um, and yeah, I would definitely be, like I said, looking to maybe put some of those guys into my overall roster and into my lineup even here in week one. Um, on the back end of it, um, an Evan Ronda you know, specialty here in Caden Stearns, um, probably, what, 120% roster percentage somehow? More. Um, more. 
Um, he is the projected starter for the for the back half of this defense alongside Justin Simmons. Um, they tend to play more of a split look there, I think, or they have. I think that's probably what they keep doing here. I don't know that we have like a, a box type role. Um, but just my one concern is they did bring Kareem Jackson back, who was someone who this has been around in this team in this locker room for a long time. So I just would hate to see some of those valuable snaps get split up there. Um, so I have a little pause with Caden Stearns, but again, wouldn't be against it if you if you feel confident he's going to be the guy um, alongside Justin Simmons. I would not start him week one for the record. I would like look at him on the waiver wire, maybe put a star by his name, maybe even add him to my bench if I have just so much extra space. But yeah, he could be a guy that has streaming upside at some point in the season. Let's go and move on to the next game. And, and run through these so fast because, oh my gosh, there are so many. Uh, Philadelphia Eagles at New England Patriots. Over under 45 points. Most of those probably coming from the Eagles, <laughs> who have the number one ranked offensive line. I, I will say I'm I'm a little higher on the Patriots this year. Turns out uh, going from a janitor as your offensive coordinator to an offensive coordinator as your offensive coordinator is a good thing. They also have an offensive line rank of 13, in case I didn't say that already. I really like uh, the linebacker situation in Philadelphia is really, really interesting because I have been so in on Nick Morrow the entire offseason. And just like, what the heck? What happened? Did he say something mean to Nick Sirianni? Because why would you curse yourself with Zach Cunningham as a starting linebacker? Like, what respectable Super Bowl aspiration team would put themselves in a situation? where they desperately need to rely on Zach Cunningham as a starting linebacker. I know Zach Cunningham is just taking shots for no reason, but there is a reason why he has not been a starter on a team for a very long time. It's not really that long of a time, but still, there's a reason he got cut and released and all those things. I don't think he's that good. I thought Nick Morrow was a better player, but I'm not an NFL GM. I'm going to trust or know what they're doing, and Zach Cunningham is going to be on the field, and he's going to score points because of it. Yeah, I mean, if he's getting that 70, 70% threshold in this defense, um, he's been someone who can attack downhill and, and and pile up those stats for us, primarily as a tackler. But yeah, he's, he, it's gross to think about, but here we are. Um, are you know, who's more disgusting, Zach Cunningham or Alex Anzalone? Cunningham. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but uh, speaking of things that aren't as disgusting... Um, well, maybe it is how much talent they have in the front uh, of that defensive line for the Eagles. Obviously, you're playing your your Hassan Reddicks and 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 so on. But uh, Jalen Carter, the rookie, he's someone I'm willing to actually play in Week One, um, in, especially in DT required leagues. Um, I would consider him, you know, as a deeper play um, as well in some of those you know sleeper type formats. But uh, I, I know it's limited snaps, but all the reports have just been glowing of this guy coming out of camp and. You know what? I'm 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 willing to get in for the ride here, week one, and and start realizing some of that value right now. Um, everyone else kind of just holding on, watching a little bit here. Sidney Brown, seeing how the rookie gets utilized. Um, Terrell Edmonds, I think, has a chance. Um, who's primarily been a box safety with the Steelers, um, has a chance to maybe really make a name for himself now in Philadelphia. I'd comfortable with that DB two, DB three range, um, in your lineups, but. I'd like to see a little bit uh, of how they how they break down and use them to um, alignment wise uh, as safety here in the back half of that defense. 
Terrell Edmonds, another guy I have incredibly high exposure to in best ball. And I also want to give a quick shout out to Jason Kelsey on his own podcast called, uh, uh, he, he had a little section called the Philly dogs where he basically talked up one dude from preseason who he thought absolutely crushed it. And you know who he talked about Reed Blankenship. So they got three guys in that safety room and only two of them can be fantasy relevant at most. So Sidney Brown or Blankenship, one of those two guys is going to have to be on the back burner. I love all three of them. It's really tough because I have high exposure to all of them. So I'm going to be hurting somewhere, but three great options for fantasy if they get the usage. Let's go ahead and talk about the New England Patriots, which is the worst transition, talking about great usage and exciting players. Um, uh, uh, that one dude that got in trouble at the airport isn't getting in trouble anymore. So yay. Cool football. Let's talk about your guy. Let's move on. I don't like the Patriots they are boring. All right. I love me. Kyle Duggar, huge smash play. I I'm in on him top five this year. Um, I think the biggest thing is, is right. Does he go from 80% utilization to, um, that higher, you know, 90 plus 95% plus, uh, uh, usage. So, um, defensive backs, Jonathan Jones, Jack Jones, Marcus Jones, a lot of Joneses, keeping up with the Joneses. Uh, you know, Christian Gonzalez is there. I don't know how his last name's not Jones. Um, stay away from all of them. Really see how this plays out. Who's lining up where? They've been moving them all over the place. And yeah, I'm I'm not touching any of them there. Juan Bentley is a viable LB two. Um, if you need it, but again, don't don't expect 100% snaps. Um, especially in a even from your green dot. Uh, wearing linebacker potentially um and josh uche i'm not i'm really not a huge fan of playing him this week against a tough uh philadelphia eagles offensive line so um if you need to you can but i i would be looking at other options for this week i'd be looking at somebody on the commanders or somebody on the cardinals perhaps yes um all righty we still have four games to go let's <laughs> power through miami dolphins at the los angeles chargers over under of 45 points. This is going to be an exciting game on the offensive side of the ball, but it's also going to be an exciting game on the defensive side of the ball. And here's why new defense in Miami, tons of talent. Yes, they don't have Jalen Ramsey, but it doesn't matter because I got Cam Smith, right? That's uh, that's his name. Cam Smith rookie corner that they drafted. Yeah, pretty sure it's Cam Smith. Great, great pick, by the way. They had the least amount of draft picks out of any team in the entire draft, and yet they still got a great player. So they will not be hurting too badly without Jalen Ramsey. But two guys that I want to talk about are Jerome Baker and David Long, assuming David Long is healthy. If he's not healthy, perhaps Channing Tindall, if you really, really are desperate. But both of these linebackers should have really, really solid usage and will probably be the kind of player that you can leave in your line uh, in, in your lineup every single week. So quick call out to those guys. I love it. Um, I'm sorry. Did you get everyone? Did you get? I mean, I can talk about more guys if you want. Was there anybody specific on this team that you're excited about? I mean, I, I can keep going. I, I can do this all day. <laughs> no, you're good. Sorry. I, I'm not overly excited about anyone else. Uh, I mean, Bradley Chubb is probably the only one I'd consider um, beyond that, you know, the Brandon Jones, Deshaun Elliott situation, depending on health, is is up in the air. Where I, I don't feel good about Week One plugging them into my lineup, so unless I'm forced to. But uh, a chub chub alongside Phillips. I mean, Phillips obviously been talked up a lot in the IDP show space for for all the right reasons. Um, but but Chubb kind of that running mate kind of left on the side there. Sad little puppy looking eyes, but I think uh, I think he brings some relevant relevancy to us. Um, 
it'll be a tough matchup to do it in. But I think in a Kellen Moore offense, he'll he'll find plenty of opportunities, pass rush opportunities that I'm okay plugging him in as as a DL three for us this week. Um, speaking about guys who you can make excuses for, can we make excuses for Bradley Chubb? We can try. Yeah, good enough for me. Uh, quick <laughs> note: Miami offensive line ranked twentieth. Los Angeles Chargers offensive line ranked ninth. So just keep that in mind how that offensive line, defensive line matchup goes. Uh, a guy that I really, really like on the Chargers, anybody who's been in a best ball draft with me knows this, Eric Kendricks. Dude is certified good. Last season, he struggled a little bit. I am not too concerned. I think he's great. I think he's going to get more snaps than any of us could possibly dream of handling, and he's going to score lots of points. Elite analysis. Eric Kendricks, I'm absolutely starting him this week. Now, the real question is, is there anybody else on this defense that's like not Joey Bosa, but is still interesting? Or, okay, or Derwin James. True. Uh, yeah, I mean, Khalil Mack for me is one that, you know, I just want to call it out. I mean, he played 860 snaps last year or something like that. Um, had very strong, you know, above average to elite almost type of uh, production in terms of, you know, his, his win rates and pass rush pressure rates. So I, I just... Maybe it was obvious to people, but I just want to say that out loud, uh, you know, sometimes fatigue or, you know, the name starts to fade into the sunset with so many years, but uh, don't, don't forget about him. He, he is a strong, strong play. And in and, and this matchup too against Miami is, is it's a plus matchup for him. So you should definitely be looking at getting Khalil Mack into your lineup where you can, um, you know, beyond that, uh, Alohi Gilman, um, you know, we really want to see that role uh, and, and how they utilize him. I don't think we're getting him into lineups yet this week, uh, unless much deeper leagues. Uh, and Kenneth Murray is one where I don't think, you know, the day on Henley is uh, of the world here. I've overtaken him, but Murray's still likely going to see enough volume in that 70% snap range. I would be looking for better options though. Now um, you can get Murray in there this week um, as, as a deeper linebacker play, but you should be getting ready to have him not be in your starting lineup at some point this season. That's a it's a great call out is is the trajectory of his usage kind of trending down we expect throughout the course of the season. Hey, Elohi Gilman could be a starter if you're in one of those classic I mean I'm sure you all are in those like, you know, start 7 DB leagues. So, you know, you can put him in your starting lineup there maybe. Uh, let's go and move on to the next game, Los Angeles Rams at the Seattle Seahawks with an over under of 46 and a half points, mostly coming from the Seahawks because no Cooper Cup most likely. Uh, but on the defensive side of the ball, there are some exciting players. I'll let you talk about two of them. But the other guys, Michael Hecht, which I just realized is how you say his last name, because I thought it was Michael Hoyt. You know who I'm talking about. He's the edge rusher there. And uh, he played pretty well last season. He should continue to play well this year. Aaron Donald is still there. He did not retire, which means those edge rushers should be pretty productive, which you'll get into a little more later. Another thing to note. Obviously, the two defensive backs that we expect to play all the snaps are Jordan Fuller and John Johnson III, returning back to L.A. Uh, but also keep in mind, keep in mind maybe, I keep an eye on, I guess, is really what I want to say, on the linebacker two role there in Los Angeles. I don't think they're going to play a lot of snaps, nor should they, because neither guy is all that good, at just by NFL standards. They're both better than me, don't get me wrong. Uh, but Christian Roseboom versus Jake Hummel. My money's on Hummel. but. Jake is on Team Roseboom, so I am. It's a gross team to be on. It's a gross conversation to have, but 
some of those deeper leagues, you got to have these conversations. So we like to just, you know, put them out there so that people know uh, the names that are not so obvious. Um, one of the names that is very obvious is Ernest Jones. I think he's, hopefully you've understood by this point, he's an elite play. Um, and, and as such, you should consider him that moving forward for the rest of the season. Um, the other name, though, that's maybe not as well known is Byron Young, a uh, rookie this year. But he has, he stood out well in camp. Not a ton of talent to beat out there, unfortunately, either. Um, a lot of rookies, a lot of undrafted talent or, or you know, or free agents that have come in um, to really just try and fill out this defense. But it seems to be uh, Byron Young's job to lose at this point. Uh, the volume for this defense will probably be a good one, a good number above average, just in terms of the fact they don't have the talent to get the other team off the field um, once the defense is on it. So I think you have a, a viable volume play, um, but really mostly just from that aspect. So that really pushes us more into that DL3, DL4 range um, type of play. Um, but the nice thing is, favorable matchup so you can feel a little more confident in that seattle um not an ideal offensive line uh or i should say it is an ideal offensive line to go up to for i IDP mean he, not even gino gino smith not an ideal true. offensive line but, but yeah which actually reminds me yeah I, I forgot to say their ranks which is 30th for seattle and 28th for the rams so yeah this might be the worst well uh yeah cardinals but, were 31 and 28 no Something like that. Titans, Saints with 24, 32. There's, there's some there's some gross offensive lines playing together this week. Yeah. So this is going to be a great game to stream some defensive linemen against if you, you know, desperately need some help. If you're like a Nick Bosa manager or Brian Burns manager, uh, who else is holding out? I feel like just like one other guy. I mean, Chris Jones, I guess, if you're relying on him in like a sleeper league, you could stream guys. And a guy that isn't a streaming option, but is still a great option. Uh, Uchenna Nwosu, Smash Week. I'm absolutely with you on this one. He's going to be solid. You know who's not a Smash Week? Jordan Brooks. Because what the heck? He was supposed to come back like in late October, like Halloween time, and now he's just like on the field. To... Okay, a little background for our listeners. I, I don't have time to do this, but I'm going to do it. I'm a strength coach. Like, my job is I work with athletes and I get them stronger, and I help them be healthy. So this like personally resonates with me as something that just, like, it, it's offensive to my soul that Jordan Brooks is on the field right now. And I don't know why. Like, I'm not, like, angry at him. Like, good on him for recovering quickly. But that seems insanely dangerous to put a dude that has had that little amount of time to recover from an ACL injury on an NFL field. Like, what? I, I'm hoping he stays healthy. But, like, I know I said I'm not an injury-prone guy, but if there was a time where I'd be very, very concerned about a re-injury risk or just somebody not being healthy, this is it. So do not play Jordan Brooks week one. I do not care if he puts up 50 points. I will sleep happy knowing that I did not put myself at risk of putting that dude in my starting lineup. That was a rant. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, rant, rant over. Appreciate it. Um, you know, from there... Uh, Draymond Jones is uh, another option. You know, Rams, you know, we talked about the Seattle not having a great matchup uh, in terms of the offensive line. Uh, Rams, not really that great either. So um, Draymond Jones is someone who is a great streaming option in this matchup. Exactly. You talked about Evan. Hey, waiver wire Sunday morning, you need to plug someone in. 
this might be a name that this is very likely a name that's going to be out there. You can you can just throw in there to get you through um, week one. Uh, and then Julian Love, you know, someone who's stepping into that Ryan Neal role that we talked about was so valuable last year. Um, you know, this this could be him. You know, talked about you know people who probably shouldn't be out there or at least struggle to stay out there. Jamal Adams, you know, says he might be out there week one. I, I you don't know, I, but you know Julian they, Love will. They officially announced him out as week one. I'm pretty sure. officially now. Okay. Yeah, he's out. So, so that I mean, then that that's absolutely. I mean, Julian Love should be in in all of your lineups at that point. So, um, and likely will be the rest of the season too, regardless of what Jamal Adams' uh, status ends up being. But him being out only strengthens and and uh, solidifies Julian Love in that role. Okay, I'm just gonna double check this because I'm like very confident that he's out, but also sleeper is not loading, so I can't look it up. I can so. check us if you want to keep us going. All right, cool. Anyways, the Dallas Cowboys at the New York Giants. I'm pretty sure that it is Sunday night football. Yep, Sunday night football. The over-under is 46 and a half points. This game should be really fun to watch. I, I'm i excited to see uh, this, this matchup here. And the Dallas offensive line ranked sixth. Makes sense. It's Dallas. The Giants offensive line ranked 29th. Makes sense. It's New York Giants. Um. The linebacker situation is not all that exciting. That's not news. They tend to not be very efficient tacklers. But Demarcus Lawrence, that is a dude that's exciting. Obviously, Micah Parsons. But I'm not going to tell you to start Micah Parsons because that would be a massive waste of time. Demarcus Lawrence on the other side of the line of scrimmage. Nope. On the other side of the defensive line, I should say. Um, he's he's old, but he's still good. He's kind of like the, you know Cameron Hayward or Cameron Jordan or any of the other Camerons. Like, Old but good, certified good. So Demarcus Lawrence, this is a great matchup against a number 29th ranked defensive or I guess offensive line against Daniel Jones. Like even if he doesn't get sacks, like Daniel Jones is going to run. Absolutely. And who's going to get the tackle? Probably the edge. So Demarcus Lawrence, absolutely. I would like to play him this week. Yeah. Uh, and I, from there, you know, jumping into the secondary, really it's J. Ron Curse and Malik Hooker, um, you know, be careful with Donovan Wilson at this point. We don't necessarily know um, the full uh, extent of it, the health for him um, coming into week one. So I, I really would probably ease off of him at this point. You can definitely roster him um, because when when healthy, he's very, very relevant for us in IDP. But Curse and Hooker are the ones that we're going to play with confidence this week. So and that really kind of, I think, rounds us out for the Cowboys. Um, you know, then flipping over to the other side for the Giants. Uh, you know they're facing a good offensive line in the, in the Dallas Cowboys, but you know they have one of the stronger fronts as well, right? You know we talked about the Commanders and the Eagles, um, just having really really talented front uh, defensive front, but Aziz Ojolari, Leonard Williams, you know Kayvon Thibodeau, Dexter Lawrence, you know some of those guys don't have to tell you to play, um, but you know you look at Aziz and Leonard Williams, those are guys that I would be looking at. We we want to be able to play Leonard Williams probably more. So just in the DT required side of things, um, but Aziz, um, some huge flashes when healthy last year when he played, uh, showed us in terms of his analytics and, and what he can do, winning and creating pressure, as well as just you know actually converting those into numbers for us in terms of the sacks that he produced in the in the opportunities he had too. Um, so yeah, I, I'm I'm willing to play him um, in this matchup as well. Uh, is there anyone on the Giants side that you're really uh, really looking forward to playing? 
I'm I'm echoing the love for Aziz Ojolari. He is one of my flag plants this year alongside Julian Blackman and Kaiser White. Uh, Xavier McKinney. I mean, obviously, he's extremely talented. What I really want to see is what they do with the safety two position. Up until the Isaiah Simmons trade, I was really into Jason Pinnock or Pinnock or however you say his last name, Jason P. But I don't know if Isaiah Simmons is going to eat into his snap share. So we'll have to see about that. And the linebacker two situation, is it Micah McFadden? Is it Darian Beavers? Is it Isaiah Simmons? I don't know. Um, I know that Isaiah Simmons wants to rush the passer, and that's what he's going to do. So, you know, good for him. Go off. But let's see if he actually has some staying power in the NFL. Other quick note between uh, Jaron Curse and Malik Hooker. Malik tends to play deeper. Curse tends to play closer to the line of scrimmage. The Cowboys tend to have a low depth of target because they don't trust Daniel Jones to throw it deep, which makes sense. So, Jaron Curse tiebreaker goes to him. Let's go ahead and move on to the final game. We made it. And then we have listener questions. So, don't go away just quite yet. But the Buffalo Bills at the New York Jets, Aaron Rodgers, regular season debut. All right, fine. This is an IDP podcast. We'll talk about defensive players. The over under 46.5, the Bills offensive line ranked 22. Jets, rank 23. Aw, they're right next to each other. That's so cute. All right, let's go and talk about some defensive players. I got to call out Terrell Dodson. Yes, I know I am a certified uh, Terrell Bernard lover, but he's been injured in the preseason, which has left the door open for Terrell Dodson to earn that number two starting linebacker role alongside Matt Milano. And so it will be his for at least week one. <laughs> I like what you have written down here. Very fragile situation. That's a great way to describe it. It's like a pane of glass with like a rock hanging above it. That's just waiting to drop. Like <laughs> at any given moment, he could lose the job. But I think at least for week one, if you need a depth play, maybe you had uh, Shaquille Leonard and you can't pick up EJ speed because he's already rostered. But for some reason, Terrell Dodson isn't, I guess like he could be a guy that you could pick up and stream at least for week one. Uh, there are a lot of other exciting guys. I'll just list them out real quick so we can move on. I mean, Ed Oliver's is fine. Greg Rousseau and Leonard Floyd should be pretty solid volume and efficiency plays because Von Miller's out. Um, but the guys that I really like here, Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer, I mean, anybody who knows me knows how much I have of Micah Hyde. <laughs> you were talking about Caden Stearns. I mean, talk about a guy that I actually have insane exposure to. Micah Hyde is my number one most rostered player for a reason. He's going to be on the field a lot. I'm higher on him than I should be. Jordan Poyer is the guy to prefer in that secondary. Um, they got a slot cornerback as well. Uh, I forgot his Aaron name. Johnson. Yeah, he's underrated. He's great in cornerback required leagues. Anybody else on this defense we need to talk about? No, I, th I think we can hop over to the other side in New York. And, um, you know, again, another one of these themes where uh, teams investing in their front, defensive front. Um, the Jets have, you know, Carl Lawson, John Franklin Myers, and Jermaine Johnson. Um, some of those names that uh, you know maybe are more fringe, but you know they have Quinn and Williams um, and and other big names that are going to be out there. They invested in Will McDonald. Um, there, there's so much in terms of uncertainty of the the volume that these guys will play, um, and then facing off against Josh Allen um, and the Buffalo Bills. This is one where Josh Allen was pressured a ton historically um, over the last two seasons, but the sack conversion is very low actually, right? So um, he's he's Kind of that that big-bodied quarterback who's also very mobile, hard to bring down. So it's really hard to fully realize some IDP production um, in these matchups against you know a quarterback like Josh Allen. So I'm actually 
in a situation where if I don't have to play any of these defensive fronts outside of a Quinn and Williams, I'm actually fading pretty much all the the New York Jets uh, defensive front again outside of Q. So um, unless that's his brother, you know Quincy Williams, I would also still play him in this case. So um, I think he's someone who will see closer to that seventy to eighty percent snap range too. Um, in a game where he'd be a very viable LB3 um, for, for our IDP rosters this week. Anyone else that you like on the Jets side, or should I just wrap it up here? I, I, I just want to make a note. Like I've been watching Hard Knocks, and not a single mention of Quincy and Quinnen being brothers has happened at all. And I just feel like that would make for a really great storyline, so I just kind of feel bad that like they haven't talked about it yet. The secondary is really boring. Uh, Jordan Whitehead and Adrian Amos are the starting safeties. I guess they got some is it, corners. Is it Amos? I thought it was Tony Adams now. Oh, it might be. Uh, what's the news? This is news to me. This I is important. I thought I thought it was Tony Adams. I thought he's played his way into the starting roles the last I heard. He might have. I mean, Adrian Amos isn't that good. So, uh, dude, I'm such a hater. I'm sorry. I know these guys aren't listening to this episode, but like I come across as such a jerk sometimes. Um, Adrian Amos is a starting NFL player. He's making a lot of money, way more than me. Um, all that being said, no, he's yeah. I would. It's believable that Tony Adams potentially took his starting role. Either way, you're not counting on either of those guys. They're probably not even on your roster. Let's go ahead and move on to our listener questions. Yeah, let's do it. Okay, so these questions are coming in from the idpshow.com. If you would like us to listen to listen to to answer your start sit questions, you can submit them next week over at the idpshow.com. We will put out a thread every single week before we record our episode. And if you get your question in in time, we'll read it on the show and answer your start set situation. So these guys are the ones that made it in before the cutoff. If you asked your question and we do not talk about it on the show, fear not. Jake and I will personally respond to you where your comment is on the website because we value your questions and I hope that you appreciate our input. So this first question comes in from Kai. He's asking us to start two from this list of five defensive players. Brian Burns, Chase Young, David Ajabo, Byron Young, and Zaven Collins. Jake, how do you feel about this situation? I think he's got some you know, decent talent at the top of this list, but I understand where his concern is, and I think he even mentions it in the, in the, in the post, right? Like, what happens if Burns sits out? What happens if Young's not ready to go fully? Well, you're left in a pretty gross situation is what you got going on there. But you got some guys who I think here in week one have decent enough matchups and decent enough volumes that can get you through, hopefully to when Burns and Young are playing in week two, if not in week one. And that's going to be Byron Young and Zayvon Collins are the two we want to target here in the, out, of, out of those five. So the recent news, as of five days ago, Chase Young was not cleared for contact. If Chase Young plays, I would start him over probably Byron Young. But obviously, if Chase Young does not play, yeah, those two are the guys that I would roll with. Uh, are we in agreement there? Yes. Awesome. All right, let's go ahead and move on to Donald's question. Now, he needs to start two of these three players this week, and he also would like our opinion on the remainder of the season. And these three players are all safeties. Kyle Duggar, Ryan Neal, and Von Bell. Well, I will say, Donald, that is a great problem to have. Um, who do you like between this group of three, Jake? I, th I think you got them in order, in my opinion, uh, and that's Duggar, Neil, Bell. Um, I, I talked about. I just I love Duggar. Uh, Neil, someone who I appreciate um, what he's shown us last year. Bell has done it historically, 
I'm just maybe not as fully excited as you are um, for the Panthers' overall situation on that defense. Yeah, I mean, that's fair. I will say I do think Von Bell will have great usage, but yeah, talk about usage kings. Kyle Duggar and Ryan Neal will definitely be in the box as much as they want to be and will score lots of points. So yeah, I agree with that week one. The only thing I'll say is season long, I have a lot of faith in Von Bell. Ryan Neal, like, they don't have a lot of investment in him. I think he's probably the starter all season, but like, if I had to choose a player from this list, that could potentially lose their job. It's not Von Bell. It's probably not Ryan Neal, and it's probably not Kyle Duggar, but I have more faith in Von, in Von Bell. I'll also say Marte Mapu. Like, who's to say that his usage doesn't ramp up over the course of the season? Just some more context for the situation. I'm really not concerned about any of these guys, but just to list the the lower end range of outcomes for these guys. Am I am I way off, or or is that a fair point? No, I think it's a fair point, and I think you can argue the the details between Neil and and Bell, you know, for quite some time. I think again, he's just he's in a good situation or a good problem at this point. So, yeah. All right, let's go ahead and answer Daryl's questions. Now he needs us to pick two at each position and a flex. So this looks like a sleeper league to me, actually. But I'm seeing Josh Allen listed as a linebacker. I think, I think he, he said could... it was Yahoo. Oh, it was Yahoo? Yeah. <sighs> Ah, boo. Josh Allen's a defensive lineman, um, but I see, you know, obviously you don't have any say over that. And I don't even think Yahoo lets commissioners change positional designations, do they? L platform, play on sleeper, play on RSO. All right. Um, Linebackers, Fred Warner, Ernest Jones, Josie Jewell, and Denzel Perryman. I'm not even going to talk about Josh Allen. Let's start with just that. Um, Who do you like between that group of four guys? For me, it lands on Ernest Jones and Denzel Perryman. Again, this is a, a good situation or a good problem to be running into. Um, I just think that Ernest Jones is a, a clear vacuum for for the tackle, so his floor goes way up for me. Um, and and Perryman is someone too where until Harris shows me he can you know be a greater detriment to Perryman's production, I I, I think that he's going to be the guy again absorbing a lot of those. Uh, Jewel, I feel in, in the similar vein, but he does have uh, Singleton there. So um, we've seen Singleton go off and grab 20 tackles in a week. So um, I think that these are the safer plays um, with some really great upside, in my opinion. Yeah, I think that's the perfect balance between floor and upside. I think Fred Warner has elite floor, but of that four, I think he probably has the lowest floor. I don't think that's too hot of a take to say. And yeah, I, I'm in agreement with you there. Um yeah, man, that that is a that's a great problem to have. Those are four really, really solid linebackers. It's it's situations like these that ask like I would never find myself in the situation because I'd hate holding on to valuable linebackers and I always want to trade them away for like offensive pieces. So I'd probably be looking at like, you know, Kaiser White and Aziz Alshair and like Christian Roseboom or something. But like, whatever, that's that's beside the point. Let's go and talk about these defensive linemen, not counting Josh Allen, because uh Jeffrey Simmons, Chris Jones, and George Karloftis. I agree with you. Jeffrey Simmons and Chris Jones are the plays here, unless Chris Jones doesn't play, in which case it's George Karloftis, of course. So Jeffrey Simmons and George Karloftis, I don't think you need to stream a backup. I think you have enough guys there that if you need to start two, you have two guys that will be good. So if Chris Jones plays, play him. If he doesn't play George Karloftis, that makes sense, right? Do you want to add anything to that? Nope, nailed it. Awesome. Finally, defensive back. Ryan Neal makes another appearance on this episode. Kevin Byard, 
Marcus Jones, Brian Branch. Yeah, this is the this is the easiest answer, I think, of the groups. It's the two strong safeties. That's Ryan Neal and Kevin Byard. Marcus Jones is a free safety. Brian Branch is a slot corner. Those guys don't tend to have as good of usage and therefore tend to not have as high tackle efficiency. But they're great players. So I'm I'm fine with having those as backup options if you need them. Do you want to add anything there? Uh, I think I'm going to correct you. Mark Marcus Jones is a cornerback. Um, oh, Marcus Jones. I was thinking yep. of somebody else. Who was I thinking Marcus of? Marcus May, maybe. Uh, Ravens. Marcus May. No, that's that's Saints. Who's the Ravens oh, free Saints. safety? Marcus Williams. There we go. Yep. All right. Well, even worse yep. than Marcus Jones is less valuable than because of that. Even if you have like kick return, punt return yards, I'm like. Christian Gonzalez could be a guy. They have a lot of dudes on that roster. I'm not going to count on him being a consistent returner. So uh, either way, I still agree with you. But thank you for the correction because I yeah. do that a lot. Uh, finally, the flex. Obviously, we'll just take either of the two remaining linebackers that we didn't start. I agree with you. Error towards Josie Jewell. He has a higher floor and just a great ceiling. Uh, is that why you would lead him or is there another reason? Exactly why. Great. Why don't you do this next question? Because I'm just kind of hogging all of these. You're the ones that's actually, oh. you know, putting the answers in. Let's let's see what you do for this next one. I think you just did it because it's it's one of my guys. So Sean uh, came over. He said, "Who's going to be playing slot for the, the the Kansas City Chiefs this year? McDuffie or Snead?" Um, so at this point, I'm leaning to McDuffie because he's the healthiest of them. Um, you know, and he was the only one out there in preseason to actually get. Um, uh, slot snaps between the two of them again because of the health of Sneed. Uh one thing I just want to throw out there because why not have a monkey wrench in the plan? Um Chamari Connor, rookie for the Chiefs, actually saw some significant slot snaps while on the field with Trent McDuffie while he was playing outside corner as well. So um it's something that Steve Spagnolo mentioned earlier in the offseason that it could very well be a rotation, but it was very much in that vein of coach speak. So this is something where you know, this has been my plant on, on this situation is McDuffie's the much greater value at this point over Snead. Um, and the amount that you'd have to pay to get Snead is not something I would generally do um, as just a, an overall IDP strategy. So I take the extreme value in McDuffie versus Snead. And if I'm wrong week one, it's easy enough to move on from it versus the, the, the sunken cost fallacy where you're like, oh, I spent a seventh round pick on Snead. So I got to I got to hold on to him type of uh, approach. So. Um, that's where I stand. That's what I know. I wish I, I wish I could give you a clear answer, Sean, to say it's, it's McDuffie. The coach has told us we've seen it for sure, but um, at this point we're doing a little bit of prognostication and hopefully doing, doing, doing it the best service to you in terms of value. Sunk cost fallacy. Oof, speaking my language, Jake. Um, <laughs> for Nick's question, he asked us to start two. He lists two defensive linemen, two linebackers. I think it's fair to say in situations where we have a lot of different positions, like if you can start a linebacker, generally speaking, you probably just want to start a linebacker. That's a little bit of game theory for you, but we'll we'll still list the player names. Uh, Nick talks about Leonard Williams, Alex Anzalone, Jonathan Grenard, Kaiser White. I agree with you. Start the linebackers and Alex Anzalone and Kaiser White. Am I, you know, like what's the reasoning there? I guess to kind of give you the give you the mic on that. Why would we prefer linebackers generally? So, so for me in this situation, it's the higher volume that I expect both of them to experience this week as well. You know, if this was a week with Alex Anzalone and he was, you know, facing the Chicago Bears, let's say, right, and just maybe a, a slower uh, pace of play and, and overall snaps, 
you know, this is something where maybe, maybe, you know, Grenard is kind of the, the one we want to target, right? Maybe in a favorable matchup. So it's not that it can't happen, but, you know, for me, um, I, I tend to lean towards the, those floor plays, especially in IDP, right? Um, and assuming and you're in a situation where this is a flex position that you've, you know, that you're asking between defensive linemen and linebackers where it's mixed like that, that, you know, I, I, I like to insert that, uh, that safety in those types of roles because you probably have the volatility already um, in your other positions, uh, in your, your other starting positions at the defensive line, defensive tackle, wherever it is. So um, that's just kind of my overall look at it. Um, like I said, but if, if you wanted some bigger upside based maybe on some unique scoring, um, Grenard would probably be the one I'd, I'd give a, a, a chance at this week. Yeah. Um, and finally, Chris asks us, uh, so he's got he's got a linebacker situation with three guys to choose from, a defensive line situation with three guys to choose from, and a defensive back situation with three guys to choose from. So I'm going to go ahead and list those guys. I'll let you pick your favorites. At linebacker, we've got Devin Bush, Seahawks, Robert Spillane, and Denzel Perryman. At defensive line, we've got Cam Hayward, BJ Hill, Trayvon Walker. One of these is not like the other. And defensive back, Legereus Need, Dax Hill, Jordan Whitehead, one of these is not like the other. Uh, so, Jake, who do you prefer between these three groups of three guys? At linebacker, it's Perryman. I think we've hit on that topic enough that that's pretty obvious um, why. Um, at defensive line, I actually like uh, Trevon Walker here. Um, I Hayward was a close call for me, too. I just I think the matchup is a little bit more favorable here. I think that um, Indianapolis is going to be in a situation where they're passing a little bit more. Um, or at least on the field more, playing from behind. I think that gives a walker an opportunity um, in, a, in a positive game script for the defense um, to have a better week overall. Um, and then on the defensive side, or the defensive backfield side, uh, for me it's Dax Hill. I talked about I, I appreciate his flexibility, versatility, and how he potentially will be utilized. Um, Sneed with his injury could come in, you know, but come in week one, no practice, no offseason, and be great because he's done in this enough years already. Um, but I, I'm going to, I'm going to err on the side of safety here and take Dax Hill. No pun intended. <laughs> well, Hey Jake, guess what? We did it. Yeah, we made it. We're live. The All first right. episode, I feel like this is probably going to be our longest one. I think as I we think progress so. through the season, they'll probably get a little shorter, but listeners, if you've made it this far, first of all, please, can you like add us on Twitter? Just reveal yourself because I want to know who our biggest fans are so we can give you a shout out or something just because thank you for sticking around. Um, dude, I'm so freaking excited for the season. So many mysteries will be revealed. So many players will have breakout games. And unfortunately, there will be a lot of injuries as well. And we will be here to help you navigate all of that every single week of the season. So, Jake, I'm so excited to get to do this every single week with you this year. Nobody else I'd rather be doing it with. You are the best. So thank you for joining me on this episode, man. Anything else we want to do before we close this episode out? Give some shout outs to the socials and what else we got going up in the near future. I mean, yeah, you can you can find me on X, Twitter, whatever it is, at late round DB. Sounds so cool to say. It sounds so cool, dude. Uh, <laughs> but uh yeah, no, you know, check check us out on there. Um and yeah, just make sure to get those questions in. I I, I love talking through everyone's specific situations because you know what? I think it helps you guys the most directly, and that's what that's what we're here for. We want to help you guys out. Awesome. You can find me on Twitter at IDP Evan, which just doesn't 
quite sound as cool, but it's all right. Uh, I love that tag for you. It's so cool. Uh, also worth noting, um, I feel like I got to give a quick shout out to uh, my show, the IDP Game Theory Podcast, which will be making its return after week one on Monday night or Tuesday morning, depending on where you live. It'll be joining the uh, the podcast network here too. So I'm really excited about that. And I feel like it's a really great like wine to the stake of our weekly previews because it's a, a great way to kind of recap what happened last season in like a quick 15 minute, 15 minute package, which kind of preps your brain, helps you get your waiver wires set. And then you really get ready for the beast. That is the preview episode here with Jake. So um, just a quick shout out to that. But man, I'm I'm so stoked for this upcoming season with you. It's going to be a blast. Listeners, thank you so much for tuning in for the entirety of this episode. We will catch you next week. Thanks for tuning in. Peace out.